0: although my gift might be small, my love goes with i I'm Maraia Rakuraku. And
1: I'm Justin Murray and this is Teahikā, our weekly kaupapa Māori programme on Radio New Zealand National.
0: This week Teahikā is literally all over the country as I make my way to Moriko Station, a beef and sheep farm that stretches from Ranana to
1: Hiruharama, Jerusalem, near Whanganui.
0: Where the actions directed towards her grandfather has shaped Hari Benevides, and the leadership style she applies as the head of the Farming Incorporation, Moriko Nui. Kuro had an agreement with one of
2: the uh, Pākehā run holders, who financed him, and he said, I will give you the money to be able to stock your farm and do up all your fences. You have to allow me the grazing. So he he grazed on Kohler's property on the farm, and that was all done on a handshake. Now, without that man, our grandfather would never have been able to farm his own land... Why? Because the banks wouldn't lend to them. There was no institution that would lend Māori's money. And I'm not talking about ones with communal ownership. I'm talking about individual owners, simply because they were Māori. And when I hear people say that Māori were too lazy to farm their land or do anything with their land, it makes my blood boil because that's not always the case. In some cases, like Koro, they weren't given the opportunity to get the finance to be able to farm their property. You'll
1: hear more from Hari Benavides and Harvey Bell as they point out significant landmarks on
0: Marae's journey up the river. And then we're in Levin, where stone masonry has become more elaborate over the years. First off, what's stone masonry? Well,
1: it's when you use stone... To make things like monuments, furniture, or headstones. And secondly, by elaborate, you mean well. People are putting heaps of effort into how they want someone remembered, like having symbols of their hobbies, a deck of cards if you're a mean card player, a fishing rod, a rifle,
0: and even sketches of their face. Which is proving financially lucrative for the Honuya Paparangi engineer Richard Cornell and his business, Designer
3: Headstones. Each piece is an individual, you know, so you you're not gonna get the same as someone down the road. And that's what everyone's looking for. Just that unique piece for their loved one. And if you can give them that, they walk away happy. And they always tell other people, you know, and being a Maori, we've all got a big farnus. And so they keep coming back to you and say, I want that same, you know, but they're never gonna get the sack of the same because each piece is unique. And as you I will show you through my workshop on different different patterns, different designs. Richard,
1: his
0: designer stones, and even his own DIY machine is featured in today's show. And then we're in Invercargill. I'm with Peggy Peak of Murihiku Marae. We'll have that later in the show. I'm Marae Raku. I'm Justin Murray, and for the next hour, you're with Te Ahi Ka. Ngā rei matāra.
2: Kote
0: on an almost weekly basis, Hadi Benavides and Harvey Bell make the roughly hour and a half journey from Whanganui to Moriko Station, the farm they manage on behalf of Muriko Nui Incorporation. In November, Mariah joined them, finding the characters in the
1: vehicle with her were as entertaining as those being described on the trip.
0: So we've left Whanganui and we're heading up to to the station Muriko, which takes... About one and a
4: half hours to get to. Uh, no, about one and a quarter hours driving, sort of reasonably modestly. You could do it in an hour if you, if you hoof it. But as you can see, if somebody's coming the other way, there's not a lot of places to go, okay. apart from the river.
0: So do we end up following the river up the whole way.
4: Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is, um, at Ranana, which is we we hang a right at Ranana. Ranana's is actually only 40, 40 metres above sea level. So we don't climb very much. And you'll notice when we, when we can see the river, it doesn't flow very fast. Uh, and that's because it's, it's, it's pretty flat.
0: And it seems like it's uh, pretty populated up here. I mean, I'm seeing driveways, little houses, animals running around everywhere.
4: Um, yes, I don't know what the population on, on the River Road is. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these houses, would, there would have been a lot more people uh, when farming was better years ago but um, everybody's paired back to the minimum. I mean, on the station, we would have probably had 10 or 15 staff um, and, and times gone by, um, but with modern equipment and things, I mean, we're down to five five permanent per staff, or was it six, including the manager? So, you know, every, everybody... It's, it's, it's the same with farming right throughout the country, and that's why um, we there were, what... Uh, three schools, or in reasonably recent time, three schools, even more than that, on the River Road from Papariki right down, and now there's only one, uh, which is at Ranana. You know, if you look at, there's some clear pictures like that across
2: there, but predominantly
4: Bush. This this here is um, for the house across the road. So they bring everything across on a
0: on a, ca- on a cage. Yep, here. which is like how which is how my grandparents used to bring things across to their farm too. And then sometimes if you lucked that, you used to have to swim across, which is all right. We were kids. Yeah,
2: loved it. As kids, you
4: know, running a across on the flying box. Oh, what
0: are did just see some something me. What does it mean? That that's how far the sea came up to?
4: Um, well, yes. I mean, wherever there's shell rock, um, but I mean, we uh, where I was brought up, north of Taipu, at um, uh, we were what 15? No, no, no. North in from Rangi, down from Waiuru. And um, the, we were at, uh, what, 1700 feet above sea level, and uh, there was shell rock uh, there. So, uh, you know, obviously New Zealand was under the, under the water at some stage of its existence.
0: This is Fo Tehi, Fo Tehi Stream. Just crossing over it. Mokuku Scenic Reserve.
4: At school when I was at school I, I, I cycled I was up all the way up to Corroniti and this was all all metal road and when I, when I first drove up when I first got involved with, with Mordedico I thought to myself how on earth did I ever cycle up here and I was ended up being on my own because I my first bike broke down I went back to Wanganui and, and got another bike and I just thought I was never ever going to get here because um, the school what were you thinking well the school at Coroniti there's a little cottage. Um, that was a, um, a nun used to look after in the school I was at. Um, Sister look,
2: Elsie's cottage.
4: Oh, Sister Elsie's cottage. And for some reason, it was a Church of England school, but we were looking after the at the cottage of a of, of a Catholic nun. Um, so two or three times a year, sort of half a dozen boys would <laughs> would come up um, and uh, do all the work around the cottage and keep things tidy and things. So it was a it was a big adventure at a boarding school, um, but uh, how I ever did it on the metal road, I don't know.
0: <laughs> because we are currently on the road that you would have cycled on when it was metal. Jeepers!
4: But you know, I mean, the history of 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 up here is just incredible. Because at Pipiriki, for example, the hotel in. 1908. The Papariki Hotel had 12,000 visitors, and a lot of these are international visitors. I mean, you know, Papariki was 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 on the international um, uh, tourist route, believe it or not. Why? Uh, it's, well, that's a very good question. I think because the, the, the boats went up and down the river, the special the special boats, and and it was just. Um, I mean, I have no, no idea what sort of extent of Maori culture anybody, any visitors to to Pippariki got, Um, I suspect not a lot, Um, but it had remoteness and and just the beauty of the river. Um. The
2: whole thing of the Victorian image of the primitive, Māori land, yes, Māori land, the primitive, which (coughs) is, you know what it would have been about and those boats going up the river smashed through all the Māori weirs that they had up to catch their um, eels and piharo. There was no, the Māori tried to stop it because they had weirs going across the river, rivers that they trapped. Well the boats going up here they couldn't. Um, you know, go around. So they just broke broke them all down and, and carried on up. There was no concern given to Māori living on the river whatsoever. And their rights to, you know, through the waterways, it was um, quite a brutal regime and to get people up the river, although the boats were obviously helpful and handy for getting people and supplies up and down the river. It was the way that they went about it.
4: It's interesting with the river because the the flows are are not good and a lot of it has sort of been blamed on the the diversion for the uh, Tonoriro power scheme, which obviously is a a factor. But I got a book recently, or it's a journal, um, and in there was a story of uh, in 1928 when Morikou could not get its wool um, sold for over three months because there wasn't enough water in the river for the, um, for the boats to be able to, to take it. Mm. So um, well, that was interesting because I'd never, never heard before. I mean, other people who know the history of the river a lot better than I do probably knew about that, but I had never, ever heard that uh, there were any problems with water flows on the river um, pre the Tongariro uh, hydro scheme.
0: I mean, as we're driving along here beside the river, I'm just looking down the banks, and it doesn't look that deep. I mean, I, mean, I guess like anything, eh, it has varying levels of depth as you travel along, but it just it looks a little bit shallow. This part, when they come on
2: uh, Te Walker, Waka, I've had rallies come down on Te waka, and they say, oh, uh, they have to paddle from here on down. Um, I think it's from Atene down, they really have to paddle to get themselves here to uh, Whanganui, whereas further on up at the beginning, the rapids and the current of the river moves them along.
0: Oh, because it's quite flat. Yes. So they have to paddle.
4: There's about, I think, is it 20 sets of rapids between Whanganui and and, um, Tamaranui? Something like that, there's a lot of rapids in the, in the, the boats. Uh, that went up and down the river in the old days were specially built. They, they, their propellers were encased, and I think they used to haul themselves up on on um, uh, wire ropes um, over some of the some of the bits where they they couldn't get propulsion um, in some of the rapids. So it was all sort of quite uh, you know sophisticated for the day as to how they they got up and down.
0: But it wasn't a little Sunday pedal either. I mean, it's hard, arduous work.
4: No, I mean, yeah, that's right. uh,
0: You know, and we seem to be passing quite a few cyclists, so is this a popular route?
4: Yes, I mean, this is, is um, because the part of here is the um, Whanganui River uh, National Park, uh, and this is on the tourist route, and it's because of that that the government's put... um, something like 94 million dollars uh, into the road so the, the road is going to be totally sealed from uh, from the Parapara right through to Papariki uh, eventually I think they're, 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 um, they're getting there slowly I'm not sure when it's scheduled to be finished but I mean you, there's a lot of camper of I mean normally when we come up here we always pass one or two camper vans
2: out to your right up here is the Artene Sky walkway Um, It's one of Dock's walkways, and the power. it's one hell of a climb up to the top, but it's well worth it. Just up above you on your right, there, and the entranceway is a little bit further on around.
0: Now, I wonder if the locals have mixed feelings about the road becoming completely tar-sealed, because with the increase of tourists, it means there's more people. You know, sure sure enough that's you know more dollars but it's often a mixed reaction from locals.
2: On the issue of the road being tar sealed the people of the river plus Bulliko have paid extra in rates for uh, several years now so that the road could be tar sealed and we are still paying extra for the last sections of the road which uh, are from Ranana to Piperiki and just north of Piperiki it hasn't been tar sealed uh, fully right up to Rai Tihi. So the road up from Ranana to Muriko is yet to be sealed and, and that's, I mean that's been an ongoing thing. I mean for 40 years we've been paying extra rates to cover the
0: seal uh, issue on the river road. So does that mean that the rates are going to be dropping when the roads are completed? I doubt it.
4: No doubt. <laughs> but the thing is that, that our rates, um, we, so we've got, uh, say, 12,500 acres, or about 12,000 acres, um, and our rates are around about $18,000 a year. Um, and to be honest, given that you know we are absolutely dependent on this road, we don't actually see it as a huge um, burden Um and you know we're now with them sealing it, and they, they they're going to be sealing right up to um, Muruka Road, about uh, about 3k up from from uh, uh, Ranana, where the station is. They're going to be sealing that. They're going to be sealing uh, or preparing the other road because we the farm is up two two roads, Mokanui Road, uh, as well is going to be being upgraded. So I mean, we we reckon we get pretty good value out of our uh, out of our eighteen thousand dollars of rates.
0: Which is great for a big farm, but some of the little houses that we're passing, just by their own wear and tear, it seems like some of those families would find it quite a burden.
4: Yes, I don't, I don't know what they pay, but I mean the thing is they have, a, they have an annual meeting up here um, to ask the locals, do you still want to continue putting into this, uh, into this fund? So uh, I mean it's, it, it, it's, it's been. Um, uh, something that that has got continual support from the locals. Um, so I mean, I, I, but I don't know the cost burden, and I don't, to be honest, know whether it's just a show of hands, or whether the rate ra- the rates bill or the or the acreage or whatever hasn't has an influence. But I've never heard that that's the case.
2: Oh, heaps of people up here. Well, that's quite amazing. Hold on, hold on, Harvey, stop over here so she can look over at Annette Vane's place. The oh, wh- flying fox, go over
4: here.
0: Oh, all these times you've come up. Stop, look, look at how steep that flying fox is. She, she runs the,
2: uh, she started up the market, Saturday market in Waldeniri, and it
0: Okay, so um, we're coming up to a sign, Koriniti, and it's quite, it seems like quite a well-populated community. I'm just counting up about, just in my eye line, I can see about seven houses.
2: The main uh, family up down at the Marai, the Kuriniti Marae, is um, the Tuka uh, family, John and Years ago, it was John and Sarah Tucker. When I was a kid, we came up here and we stayed down at the Marae for a week, and um, it was lovely. Back then, that was years yeah, ago. Old oh, Bundai Mediking and his wife was still alive, and we used to go up to the little cottage, Sister Elsie's cottage up here, and uh, try and get in the hammock, and it was a wonderful <laughs> hammock, and that you couldn't lie in it;
0: you'd fall out and get winded all the time. So you mentioned nuns. Now, the Susan O'Bear sisterhood. Oh, the Sisters of Compassion. They were based up along the river
2: too, weren't they? Yes, they were. And the main uh, nunnery or the main convent is up at Harama And there is still... Uh, Sister Dorothy. No, Dorothy is downtown. Sister Sue... Um, and about three or four others still live up there today. And they rent out a room there. There's the the retreat up at Hiru Haraba for anybody who wants to go up there and spend some time, which is highly recommended that they do that.
4: As part of the community involvement that Morikau has, um, we pay for a satellite internet connection for the nuns, um, as well as the school, because the nuns do an awful lot around the community, and we... Believe that it's in Motoko's best interest that we do as much as we possibly can to keep the school viable. Because at the moment there's no sec- primary school up here, um, the profile of our staff um, is going to change because not a lot of people um, want to do homeschooling. So people with, uh, you know, with young children uh, are not going to be um, that keen on being here. So. You know, There's some fundraising activities and those sorts of things that uh, we do to, to sort of try and help the school.
2: Moriko Incorporation always ha- has always had a long association with the Sisters of the River because they were the ones that administered to our people. They provided the education and when they got to school age, they sent them off to... Um, Māori schools, you know, like Queen Kuinva, Kato, Petera, those things. So the association for Moriko has been one of where they have provided and helped the, uh, the nuns because they've done so much for our people. And it's acknowledgement of the work that they did and still do today.
0: And they're still very much present in the community that they
2: came to all those years ago. Yes. There's not as many, but they are still there.
4: I suspect, though, that when uh, the ones that are there now pass on, uh, there probably won't be any replacements. Um, uh, The Catholic Church is is supporting less and less of these sorts of um, outposts. So um, they're they're, um, at the uh, sort of um, they're not young, the ones that are still there, and I don't know that there's any plan for them to uh, be replenished as they, as they pass on. Okay, we're just coming up into the Mokunui side
2: of Moriko, which is where the Moriko lands end. They start north of Ranana at Hiruharama, and we are about 15 kilometres away from the main station on Moriko. Road. Now, so how this many, is the, north, the the southern end, sorry. How many
0: hectares is Monte Coast Station Hari? It's 12,500
4: acres. It's about 4,800 hectares, and about half
0: of that we farm. Okay, now because I'm in the front seat, I know the rules. Go no, no, through no, the no. gate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I was brought up in the farm then. That's <laughs> <laughs> not why I put you <laughs> there. Sure. And our heads
4: I This is right? huge. Oh, no, this is interesting. Gosh, it's quite lush in here, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, not um, lush enough. Though. Nice green. Mm, this is interesting. I don't think we're going to get across there. How come? Why well,
0: don't you go to the. Um... Go to the Charge
4: it.
0: You're the driver.
2: You know your well, driver.
4: we want to go back and wait till we get a bike? No, no, we haven't got time. It's going to be good if I get stuck here, but you know. It's just. It's a long bloody walk
2: tomorrow, guys. You've
0: got four-wheel drive don't you? Think? Yeah. Ah, sure, yeah so it oh man, you cycled up that bloody road and had <laughs> a bum bike and a,
4: it 40, when it was gravel. It was 40 years ago.
0: <laughs> and now you've got a big fat four-wheel drive. Sweet. And yes, we did make it up that hill. Next week we're actually touring Moriko Station itself. Kia ora, Harvey Bell and Hari Benavides. Namahi mihi korua. And for photos, head to our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te And while there, sign up to our weekly newsletter where you'll get details on what's coming up in future broadcasts. I'm Justine Murray. I'm Maraia Rakuraku and this is Te'ahika.
4: Te ki te ahika.
0: Stone masonry is all about crafting objects, like headstones, from stone such as granite or marble. Headstones come in many sizes too, like the monument
1: to the Ngāpuhi Rangatira Tamati Wakanene, which is at the Christ's Church
0: in Russell. Now that stands at about two metres high. Ooh. So why have a headstone in the first instance? And where did this practice come from? In Thao Māori, or the Māori world, the act of placing a headstone on a person's grave was adapted largely by the arrival of missionaries and the Christian faith. This effectively meant that over time, tikanga Māori suffered as their practices were replaced by Christian ones. But some iwi were resistant to that aid, eh? like my iwi, Tuhoi, Not everybody marks graves with headstones. Uh, they just leave the, leave the earth bare. And uh, it relies on the memory of... Whano, really, to remember where that person is?
1: Yeah, and where I'm from in Tauranga Moana in our Urupa, you know, some of the headstones are quite old, and I suppose that's a testament really to how long ago that person died. And the newer headstones have intricate designs, tiled bases, that's like a large concrete slab that covers the area. Now, some
0: of these have um, a middle bit that can be made into a small garden. Enter Richard Cornell, who showed Justine around his business designer headstones. At the moment,
1: we're touring Richard's um, five acre property in Livin. And uh, of course, with his in- engineering background, he's um, made a water feature sculpture.
3: Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of people come here. When they, when they talk about heat, they come out here and they just sit around and have a yarn and they sit by the water and they think they're like they've being blessed, you know. And they just love coming here because they, they reckon it's, it's peaceful, it's quiet, and it's just time out for them. And everyone on the main highway used to think this was my workshop for my headstones. <laughs> they used to say they used to see my wife out here more than they ever saw me. <laughs> but um, yeah, being an engineer, and I, my son gave me a hand to give me a hand to build it because he's a he's a carpenter, and I did all the other bits and pieces. That was my first mosaic piece I ever did. Little it's pukiko. Hi, hi. Pukiko.
1: So we're outside of um, Richard's um, home along uh, the main road of Levin and he's taking me to one of his uh, his workshop area. We've just been into the showroom and now we go into the uh, workshop. Yeah, we did
3: one with the bushes and the bush scenery on a stone and did one with a carver bowl for islanders. They love the carver bowl. As soon as they see it, they want one of those. How do you draw those on? Or it's all computerised now and computers, lucky to have them because we... When I first started well, it was all the hand cut and you know, I had to you know, learn how to draw properly and good enough and must have got away with it. I'm still here. <laughs> so
1: Richard, we've got a big st- uh, headstone in front of us with a guitar. Hi. Walk us through the process.
3: How you got that guitar on that stone? So you- The cut- guitar is cut out shape. You know, we used to cut a lot of it ourselves with you know, diamond tipped stones and that. Now India will cut it for me and I will do all the other Hard to work on it.
1: So, India, the country?
3: Yes, yeah, India, the oh, country. Yep, they would, they would cut out the stone what I want, and, and I'll, I'll do the rest of the process once it gets here. Right. You know, it used to come out of big raw material, and I had to cut it, and there's a lot of labour tents in it. So, I'll send a picture off to India to what I want, would we'll scale it on, you know, on a piece of paper, scale it, and, and every detail I need to know, and what they need to know, and they'll send it back to me and see if it's okay, then we'll go from there. How does this all get to you? Is it like um... oh, they ship it, ship it out, you know, and, it, and it's got to go through quarantine and, and check through everything, and and yeah. do you have
1: to go to Auckland to pick it up, or no, it
3: does ship it down here. Oh, right, because meth are looking at containers and check to make mm. sure there's no no um, stuff coming through the mail,
1: and so where do you tinker away?
3: Okay, <laughs> this is this is where. This is all my work, and that you know.
1: So you're doing one at the moment and your sh- yes, workshop. this one goes
3: to Napier, and like I saying, this one go up to Tauranga. And th- these are these are all my. Uh, these these are all different headstones. We, what we do, we we we'll set it up and show them what they're going to look like the headstone. And once they gave us the okay, then we'll process it and go ahead and start marking it all out. And it's very important to make sure all the words and spelling mistakes are right, you know, from the start. Especially when it comes to Māori words, you know, <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of um, Māori's argument, can they fix up a lot of the old headstones, because the, the, the park is a spilted wrong back then, and unfortunately you can't, but you've got to grind a whole stone right back. Well, what's a typical day that you do? Get up at six o'clock, get into have my porridge, make sure I have my porridge, <laughs> I cut out the brown sugar and the uh, cream, yep, and, so, and then then I, then I make my way into work, I, all depends what kind of day I've got on, if I, if I've got headstones, I've got to make sure, you know, everything's in place for the day and uh, sit on my tracks and get home in the evening and, and start doing a lot of book work, you know. And yeah, there's a lot of paperwork, believe it or not, like permit fees and permits for different cemeteries.
1: But all that would be covered by what you quote the families? Oh, or? yeah,
3: yeah, it the quotes any, but you've got to write down what's, like, sizes. And, and, and I send off a photo to the to the, cemetery, um, to the council's. So they know exactly what's it going to look like when it's finished and what it looks like when it's up. Mm.
1: Richard, in your opinion, what's the difference between you and a Pākehā Mason well, I, place? I personally
3: think it's feelings. Hey, I, I, I just don't take your money and, and bump your door. I, I think um, being mighty because we're loving embracing people. And, 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 I, and like Tony said, he, he's starting to understand how Mary's work now, hey? And he reckon it's a great feeling. easy. He, he takes his head off to us because when Māori's, Māori's come here, we hug, you know, and it's, it's great to see them. Have one a cup another. of tea, ai, ai. sit down, don't hurry in it, yep. Exactly, you know. And he, he thinks it's time wasting, but I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's time is money. Aye, aye. He thinks we're in the parkier world. Maybe he's right, but I don't see it that way, you know. Mm.
1: So it's the feelings, it's the warmth, it's the ai, sit it's, down, have yeah. a kore yeah. it's not about sun on the dotted line, sweet, you know. Yeah,
3: exactly. And a lot of people ring me, and you know, and you get a lot of thank you cards and, you know, and, and, I, and once, once they, you get all that, you know you've done your job. And you know you they always catch up, especially when Māori say, oh, you did my auntie's so-and-so, and I said, did I? Because you get so many, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's, hey, it's a lovely feeling, you know, it's a loving feeling.
1: So, Richard, I mean, if you're doing stones for, for um, you, I think you mentioned Napier and Kauranga, I mean, how do you feel by being a part of Urupa all over the country? I mean, you can walk on maybe walk onto Urupa and say, "Oh yep there's, there's well, not your work. I mean,
3: it is your work,, I, you know what I, I mean I, I I was at a funeral <laughs> down in Otake last weekend, and everyone said to me, "I see all your stones here, you know they, you know, <laughs> and I said, "Oh, yeah," and they said, yes, no, because it stands, they said it stands out, you know, and it's um yeah. Must be a buzz. I mean, oh, it's, it's you're obviously buzz. a humble man, but... Yes. I only had one complaint. A parkier lady, actually, from Auckland rang me up. I sent it to Auckland, and I never put my logo on it, because on the side of my stones, I have a logo. People want to know where that stone comes from. It's like a signature. And I asked, I asked families, do you mind me putting my logo on? And they said, no, we love it. And I never put it on, because I thought, being parkier, they wouldn't want that Māori pattern. Oh, right. Aye, so, but she... She was, yeah, really offended by it, and, you know, she, she said, how dare you don't put it on mine? Now she had to tell him, you know, instead of just looking on the side of it.
1: So maybe, so from then, do you just put them on yeah, yeah, all yeah, stones? Yeah, and, and
3: we put them on all our stones now from that day on. I thought, okay, bugger it, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> so how often are you in this uh, workshop? Are you in, the, in here every day, Richard?
3: Oh, yes, I spend a lot of evenings in here, and you know, I, and of course... I don't know. It seems to grow on you, and um, and as as I am now, I'm building a new workshop because I'm I, what is it? It's just got too big, you know. It just growing grown all the time. And Which it's just a good thing. Oh, that's a great thing because you know you meet new people, and it, it's good because um hey I'm, a lot of people are moaning because they wish they got a headstone, they wish they they knew about me, you know. Yep. And uh, when they see what I can do, and they wish, you know, wish we knew about you then. So I'm trying to get out there to make, you know, people know I'm there for them. So it I, seems I, as
1: though you need a couple more sales reps. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you can't
1: do everything, Richard. Know, it I seems know. like you are.
3: I, I try, you know, because I'm an engineer for the work store. I've been, I've been working out there for 16 years and doing this for 16 years. Because my wife keeps saying, you've got to slow down sometime. Mm. And sure, but I, I told her, this is, this is, um, I'll be finishing up in the next, next month because th- this is my passion.
1: Finishing up or your main job. Main your, job yep.
3: as an engineer in contract on headstones, because you know this, this is where I want to be.
1: Yeah.
3: More satisfaction.
1: And so, what do your your friends in Farno think of what you do?
3: Well, my Farno, they can't believe me because I was a, I was a little kid. That was scared of headstones.
1: That's weird. Yes, you yes. Used to run away from them. Yes, from we'll the run earth.
3: away from the cemetery. Run away from the headstones. And and, and they can't believe it because here I'm doing. Yeah, no, doing it on a big scale, and and, and they come here because they pop and they just love what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it's a And great... do your
1: whānau come to you for headstones? Um, Fine. Yeah, no, you
3: know? yeah, they they do, but mostly friends. They come to me, and um, and of course, you know, you look after everyone, even friends. You look, you make sure everyone gets a good deal.
1: Now, can we just quickly talk about your machinery
3: here? Okay, being an engineer, I made all my machinery. Jeez. I could never afford it. So I thought well, the only way I could do it is make it. And Because I built my own workshop and everything, see? And so I had to design it so it all works good. And Well, I, I made a blasting machine where I blast all my headstones because it's all sandblasting now. You know, all the words that are chiseled. So I, and being an engineer, I made my own sandblasting equipment. Whoa. So what's this, um, Richard? That, that all sucks out all, 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 the, all the fumes and that, you know, when you're sandblasting. And that cold air coming through my helmet is from an old vacuum cleaner. I stick outside and it sucks <laughs> in cold air. Oh. And as a guy came round, he said, that's Kiwi ingenuity. So no, I this... just... So does this... What's the purpose of, of this? It cools the... This, this does... As you can see, this green stuff on my headstones. It's a masking tape. And that'll blow through it. But it and that'll cut out, my, cut out right. the for me. Man, DIY!
1: So, how does creating memorial stones become a passion? Well, for Richard, initially it was all about how to save money.
3: Well, you know, after we had to do a stone up the Whanganui River, um, we thought the cost was so expensive. And I thought, well, if we can learn how to. How to operate, you know, how to get into the business, and so one step from another.
1: Because it's fair to say that Pākehā had the the uh, domination in that in aye, that
3: area. Right, they did. They did for a very long time, and they still have. But it's just trying to get our people to, to move, go forward, and, and, and set our people how to get around it. And the very first one was out of concrete. <laughs> and uh, since then we've moved on to granite and marble.
1: So. It's become quite an elaborate field, you know, moving in the, 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 the different things you can do these days.
3: Oh, exactly. It, it's a huge, it's a huge thing you can do today in this day and age,
1: you know. Okay, well, that's cool. Shall we um, go for a little tour, perhaps? Right. Yep. Um, so if you travel towards Levin, in this area, um, it's on state high. It's on the main state highway. And is this a home-based
3: business? This, this s- is a home-based business. It's outgrown ourselves. So this is your house? Hi, I, this is my house on the main highway going south to Wellington, just outside living. And, and, um, and it's, so many people drop in here because they see the sign, and, you know, and, and they thought, oh, even Pākehās dropping in here, and they think they're a bit worried because they think, oh, you know, he's a Māori. But, hey, I cater for all sorts, yep. so not only our own people. Okay, this is my showroom here and we've got a lot of different patterns of stones. And being Māori, I like to do something for ourselves. so it's, it's individual, you know, you've got your own piece, it means more to us, you know. Because
1: a hura or an unveiling, is um, usually done after the loved one has passed away, and usually after a year as a sign of remembrance, they, they usually have um, a headstone. Can we talk about these pieces here?
3: Yeah, um, you know, like uh, each piece is individual, you know, so you, you're not going to get the same as someone down the road. And that's what everyone's looking for. It's just that unique piece for their loved one.
1: So this piece in front of me, um, this, this, is, is this marble here?
3: That, that's granite. It's Indian granite.
1: Granite. And where do you source your materials? From India itself,
3: actually. Yes, I, I'm sure they think we're from there, Indians. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, no, they, 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 they found me, actually. And um, yeah, and they want to do a deal and, and cut deal. So I, what I'm done now is bought in bulk, so I can pass that price down. Yeah. So you know, instead of, if I buy a shipment load, I can pass it on to our own people, Parkers, Māoris, Chinamans, anybody, as long as they're happy.
1: Can we walk around to yes. this area here? Oh, look at that. its like a um, white koru koru patterns. Decar- oh yes,
3: it's all carved into the stone. So it's just not there put on, you know, it's all carved in. So so people feel it and when they when they rub it they got you know, they got more meaning to it. Each stone represents something, you know. Like a kuru representative for children or, or their loved ones passed on. So I, I do the artwork so so what people say to me is ask me, you know, about Sun and and I explain to them how I could do something for them. And and, and show them what they think and they like it, then we go ahead with the process, you know, next step.
1: So, walk us through that process, um, Richard. So, somebody comes in here and picks a design, and then do you, or actually, maybe if they want, if they've got something in their own mind that they want, not, not necessarily found in here, what, what, what do you do? Do you sit down with them? And- oh, I
3: sit down and, and I ask them about that person and, and talk to them, you know, and, and we have a good understanding, you know, base, you know, so it's just not flick him, grab their money and flick them out the door. I, I talk to them and, 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 and ask them what was their interest in life. By the time you finish that stone, you actually know that person, how they lived. And, 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 it's, and I still get goosebumps today because it still means something to me. And especially, like, I'm doing one now, and this guy was a train driver. And so I'm putting a train on the back of it, you know, on the back of the headstone. And, and his, his numbers, his wife said, can you do that? And I said, yes. And so, you know, and I'm doing one, at, at, at another one now I can show you. And, and he was a taxi driver. And we're putting that taxi driver you know, and, and it's just, you know, they absolutely love it. And people come here and say, oh, I want that, you know. And I, I, two weeks ago, I met a lady from Tauranga. She came down and um, she asked me, she, she saw it in a Mana magazine, my article. Yes. And um, she looked up on the website, and she saw it there. And she, she rang Levin to see where the closest place to, for a motel where she was going to stay tonight, and just come and see me and I was blown away because I said I thought she had family here but she only came to see me about a headstone and she went away happy because I sold her something a piece of art and she couldn't believe the price of it and because um, and being Māori I said oh you don't have to sleep in a motel because sleep on my couch you know. and uh, she, she was absolutely love, stoked. Yep. Yeah. Mm. so she, she asked me would I go up there and put it in and I can sleep on her couch so I paid back the, you know, <laughs> so. but no I get I thrilled buzzed out of that you know so very
1: much When it comes to money, the money side of things, because I mean, just from my observation and in my experience, you know headstones are so beautiful and so elaborate, do you how
3: does pricing work? Okay, pricing <clears throat> what we do If uh, say that a headstone costs a thousand dollars, we put down a five hundred dollar deposit, and then if the family wants to walk away, well you know hey i don't lose they don't they just lose their five hundred dollars, unfortunately, you know what I mean, but it, it he's never come to that. And, they, and before the unveiling or whatever, or, you know, pick-up time, they pay it off. They have it all paid, so I don't have to chase it. Because many a time, my wife said to me, geez, dear, you're going to be a broke man. And I have been, you know, believe me, I have. Because sad, well, not a sad part, but a good part about me, I've got a good nature. And sometimes it's too good, you know, because I, you know. Give, <laughs> not good or not good for business. No, not, not very good. I, I can see why parkies do it. Because they got it, you know, it's money, money, money. Where mine is, it's Aroha. You know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to give them a good deal without being ripped off myself. And, and unfortunately, you know, it does happen in life, I notice. Yeah. And I've been chasing money, but hey. You know, I said to my wife, I'm always going to repo, and she said, no, you won't. It's not like me. But it's not like me. But hey. Yeah. You know, but I just make sure I don't get in that situation anymore. And as you can see, we even make a, oh. a bottle.
1: Out of granite? Out of granite. So that people, because people often leave little momentums Oh, exactly, exactly. On headstones like a line, red bottle, or yeah. Because
3: my friend said, "Can you put any words on now?" I said, "You can do anything you want." And uh, so yes, so um, no, each piece I I I just love, you know. I I still get a you know every headstone to me, it's personal, you know, and you're only good as your last work. I always maintain that, you know. And I still never want to forget where I started this from, mate. Eh? The fucker papa. And and I'm, you know, and I got a I got a a guy who works for me and he's parky, and he he can uh, he can't understand, you know, he says, Why do I you know, why, why why didn't you give it to them a bit more price, put it up? And I said, No, no, I started this and I still wanna know I still believe where I came from, my roots.
1: So when it comes to buying a headstone, what's a reasonable cost? Richard, when you go to an urupa, do you think there's more pressure on Māori whānau to have a good headstone, even if they can't afford one?
3: I'm not too sure, because I think at the end of the day you just want to give your loved one a stone. No matter what kind of stone it is, or if they can afford it or can't afford it, they just want to give something in in a way of appreciation, you know, hey, that person was here. And as you can look at these, a lot of these stones here never had headstones on, and and now so they're just the n- little like plaques, in it, you know. And then you know, I I could make sure you know because at the end of the day they just want to be recognised they were there, because at the end of the day they were they were human.
1: So no matter placard design, no design, you still give the same amount of passion. Aye,
3: aye because you know, because to me it it means something to that person, and it means something to me, so. Even though I didn't know them, you know, I just. And as you can see, this guy here, I said to, I asked the family, what was he into? And they said he used to love playing cards. So I put a deck of cards on there, and they said, "Does well, that cost extra?" And I said, "No." I just said I want to do it because I feel like I need to do, do something to justice, you know. And this one here, I, I, is, father was in the Korean War. And I said, have you got a badge, a Korean badge? And they said, oh, Dad would have loved that. There was a badge on there. So I, I just, we, we, we saw the badge and then we put it on there. And then that just blew the whole family away, you know. So it's little things like that, you know. I think it's the last gift you can give someone.
1: Now Richard is about five foot three; He's quite skinny. So I'm looking at him and his small stature and with big granite stones, I'm thinking, how does he physically manage well, with the reputation growing and the business expanding, he's ended up building a new workshop at the back of his house.
3: So this is gonna be my new workshop because I outgrown what I've been doing. So yeah, it's just getting huge and bigger all the time.
1: Wow, what's the um, ground what's the measurements of the space?
3: Fourteen and a half metres by fourteen and a half meters. I told my wife it was only gonna be a little building.
1: And then next minute you.
3: Well, these things grow on <laughs> <and> you.
1: <laughs> so, oh God, I'm just thinking about how you can't do this by yourself.
3: Yeah, no, I've been, I've been, I've been potting around every night and day. When I, when I get um, had enough of doing, you know, engineering or, or stonework, work, I just come out here and just have time out and pot around.
1: So obviously the roofs, what needs to be done?
3: Uh the plastic roof re- is going on top of the roof. Yep. Now all the tins done and. Um, my wife is pushing me because she wants a part of my little shed. She reckon I got too many sheds for my headstones, <laughs> so she's into uh, uh, weaving and all that. See, oh, so nice. she's a hard out weaver, and, and that's why so I said I'll give her a room just to keep the quiet, peace. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll do her thing on that side, and you'll do your thing on this I, side. Hi, hi. aye.
1: Staffing? Do you have? do you think about an apprentice, maybe, Richard? Because seems as though you need to pass your skills on to someone.
3: Yeah, I've got a. 30-year-old son, you know, and he's, he's, he's a builder. And um, I keep telling him, mate, hey, when you finish finished doing that in the mines, actually he's in the mines in Australia. In Perth? Oh, yeah. And um, he said, I said, well, when you're ready, son, come back and give me a hand, you know. And he said, oh, yeah, Dad, one day. Well, I hope so, you know, because I, I, I think this is a good trade to get into because we're always going to need it, you know.
1: In terms of the day-to-day building and making them, it's really you?
3: Yes, yes, um... Yes, Tony, Tony works for me, and um, he does all the he does a graphic for me, and, and gets things set up for me. And so, when I when I get home, I can carry on with the day-to-day running then. So, eventually, um, yeah, I like to teach another young person, and so yeah, I can move on too, you know, do other things. So.
1: Obviously, you're going to be a busy man over the next year or so.
3: Yeah, yeah, and, um, it's never a dull moment. My wife says I shall get away, you know, got to get out of it because you know, I get people dropping all, all hours of the night and day. And so, it's never a dull moment.
1: <laughs> never a dull moment at Richard's Designer Stones in Livin. This is Justin Murray for Car. And uh, for photos of um, some of Richard's designs, you can head to our webpage www.radionz.co.nz forward slash
0: teahikar. Tauke. And while you're at our webpage, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. <laughs> and to listen to an extended version of Richard's or click into the audio archive. I'm Marae Arakuraku. I'm Justine Murray, and this is Teahikar. Muruhiku Marai in Invercargill largely owes its existence to Namatawaka. Waka a collective term used to describe iwi who settle and live in places where they don't come from. So for example, Ngāti Porou come from the east coast of the North Island,
1: and even if they lived in, say, Dunedin for 100 years, they would still be
0: Ngāti Porau, a Ngāti Puro living in Dunedin. Generally, moving and living outside of your iwi region was driven by the need to find a job. And in the case of Matawaka in Invercargill, the work was usually around the freezing works. That's where the generosity of iwi who share their rohe comes into play.
3: Ngā marae o te motu.
5: Ah, kia ora. Um, my name is Peggy Peake. I'm Kaitahu, kā māmo Waitaha. My marae is Murihiku, my maunga is Auraki, Auraki um Tamonga te Tate, Takitimu maunga Wairua. called Marunuku Me Murihiku or Kufenuwa.
0: Kyurakota. Mm. Now there are some other structures around the par. What are they?
5: Um, the one south of the the one south of the Farikai is a school room. And that's where we have alternative education. And what's that? It? Um, it, it picks up the children who are falling through the cracks at school. Yeah. So they have problems and they so they come here. Um, we have one of the classes for alternative education. And then just south of that, we have Te Whetua Te Tonga, the building which was actually the first building bought here on the Marae, and it is now um, our offices. Odell has um, her office as well as the other workers work from there. On the far th- On the first side of there is the um, uh, Te Raromah. It's it's the centre uh, resource management centre for the four Runanga. So the four Runanga. Um, work together and on resource management. And that's Oraka... Oraka Prima, Awarua, and Hokonui and
0: Waihopai. So is there any reason that those four were together? Is it a whakapapa, or is it just...? Um, probably expediency, because we're all at
5: this, this end of the, of the island. We're, well, no. Murihiku is, is really in, in one area... But it has been subdivided into the four runaka. But um, it, it's really one tribal area.
0: Now, there is something that this um, parcel at can take credit for, and that's.
5: Yes, we're, we're the um, the only traditionally carved house far, uh, south of um, Christchurch. We have um, Te at Marai, uh, at Awarua they have um, carved one and it's beautiful carvings but it's very contemporary. So they have the whare row, the round house, it's beautiful. Ōrakaparima their house was a converted schoolhouse. Um, the school was actually on the site so they converted that and then Hōkanui have their offices where They've made their marae now. Gorgeous.
0: So, Peggy, what are the characteristics of the people from, from this path? The personal characteristic? I guess we're tenacious.
5: <laughs> I think anybody looking after Mariah has to be tenacious. Um, because it takes a lot to... Uh, it takes a lot to... Um, to care for marae, the upkeep of it, very costly and then we need to um, be mindful of different compliances that we need to take care of. We've just had to install um, new heating so we have um, these these new ones through the I think we've got four in here and two in the Wharanui and one or two in the committee room. But um, very efficient, especially to the heaters we used to have. Our, k- our kitchen, um, it's undergone some, some changes from the beginning. The design was, in the first place... They put a stove in the middle of the floor, just, you know, an ordinary kitchen stove. And it was a real danger. People had to try and walk around with hot pots and bumping people.
6: Kia ora, uh, Fulamina, Poi Poi Shapara, nā puhi nā te iwi. Kia ora. Um, the characteristics of the Fano up here, very Fano orientated. Um, they very proud of the iwi and the marae. And when I say Fano whānau- I orientate not just themselves, you know, of other Fano, And very um, very precious. And there's another word I was thinking, because I was talking about possessive. I said to a but possessive. They're all possessive of every, everybody and everything up here, you know. So when you, you know, you know it's like all whānau you, when you talk about one, you talk about the rest. So that's what I've found up here. Um, very supportive, because a lot of the Fano here um, are elderly and they're. Sixties right through the eighties. You know that—that's a. So it's at the composition of the um, of
0: the marae, is it? Aye. So what, would that be more is, than fifty percent, or?
6: Zeta, that, that's about ninety-nine percent. Odell's the youngest. That's continually here. Odell's the youngest. That's always up here. Mm. And so when you get that far now
0: is that because uh, most of the people who come who are from here live outside?
6: I'm not too sure what it is actually. But the, but the whānau and that um, range, because when we went to Wellington for um, Te Papa, how many of us were there? It was about 20 to 30, wasn't there? We travelled mm-hmm. what's the Komar tour that went up, But it's those Komar tour that are here doing the pie in the kitchen as well, you know, and doing the and doing the whānau. So it means that there's
0: world. no generation. It's not the generational stuff. No, no, but we'll we'll get them in, eh, Piggy? Is that a concern, Piggy? <laughs> like when you think about the pie pie and about you know namatodanga? It's a definite concern
5: because for years, um, a good five years, yeah. I've been trying to get people to come to do the karanga because yeah. I I always say one day I'm going to kick, kick, kick the bucket and um, there's not going to be anybody here, and they just kept saying to me. But you're here, Peggy. You're here. Then I went into ministry, and my time wasn't as free to be at, to be here. And they they've actually learned that I'm not always available to be here. So some of them are stepping up, and others are wanting to learn. So um, so the so the younger generation are beginning to realize that they need to learn these skills and to learn learn the history of the mori unfortunately I'm the last of kind of the last of the mohicans here um, all everybody else are people who have come maybe when the house was opened there's none left who have been in the planning stages of the house. In earlier times, when we first started with the house, it didn't really worry worry us because we had a great contingent of Mata Waka who were great supporters of us as well. And we have to pay tribute to um, many people from Tainui and other tribes.
0: Mm. Lots of Napa who came down this way, eh? Well, lots of people from the Hokianga
6: too many because they have got the highest number, haven't
0: they are <laughs> the highest what? <laughs> the high, highest number of mātawaka numbers.
6: Is my name funny?
5: Yeah, yeah. So, I, it,
6: do you think it's the Morai that have made the difference? Because now there's, you know, two Morai. <gasps> no. Hi-fi. Oh,
5: in earlier times, Ngai who couldn't support the Marae on a, on their own. And Mata Waka supported Ngaitahu in supporting the Marae. Yeah. and then one time at a meeting, um, they stated that Ngaitahu was self sufficient enough to be able to support the Marae, but they would be still there to support ngaitahu and since then we've opened a little um a few. What would you call them, satellite marae? Aye. Yeah, little satellite marae. And what um, are they called? Uh, Toi Marangi has the. It's oh. ca- uh, yeah, it's um, Catholic church based. Um, then there's one at Ohai. Aye. Oh, there is two. Uh, I,
6: oh, no. I don't know what the name of it is. In oh. Toi uh, everyone and calls it Napuhi, don't they? Napuhi, people think of it as. Ma- oh, okay. And Nahawe Farm? Oh,
5: yeah, Nahawe Farm in Connon Street. Aye, and Mahia. Mm. Oh,
6: Mahia Farm? Yes. Aye. And there's uh, Matoto up in Matoto. there's that
0: Maroi up there.
5: Tehuano Otika.
0: Aye. But these aren't Naitahu Maroi? No, 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 no. No, the only
5: Naitahua no, no. are uh, Uraka um, Parima, um, Murihiku,
6: Te Rauaroha, and Hokanui. Oh, aye. there's a mm. Papatipurunaka mm. here. And this feels like, uh, you know, Ropunga. I was telling people, that's where we're from, I said, our, our marae is like this, you go in the Wharinui, and this used to be, I said, you know, it's a bit bigger, but like the kai, the, the, um, the hall would be like this, and instead of having those windows, I said, that's where you have the um, little wee areas over there, and then the sleeping thing over there at Ropunga Marae. And I said, this, this reminds me. Yeah, you know, when I came in, oh, this, except in there, I was telling Cyril the other day, um, I, he said, oh, about the kitchen. I said, our kitchen is like this, but it was down the stair. And I said, in there, it had a big fire. Mm. But our, our marae burnt down last year. But this is what reminds me mm. of the very traditional marae from up home.
0: Yeah, it's kind of got a traditional, it's kind of got oh, a um, a layout has, that's uh, very familiar, yeah. eh? Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of marae up north have a similar layout.
6: Mm. So the other characteristics is dedicated to... I think the whāna are all dedicated and um, you know fan base. Ka mm. oh,
5: Hi. We're really thin on the ground too when it comes to
0: um, doing outside things. Aye. Like the kai kārānga mina mm. kai kōrero.
5: Aye. And I support. Um, Philomena in, in the work around the schools, and um, mm.
6: and, and all the other call. That we give you a call for? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, the non, non uh, government agencies, and they want to come our tour by Peggy and Cyril. Always giving giving them a call because they're the last ones that are here that
0: have always been here for years. Gosh, Peggy, you're working flat out. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yes, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but between the ministry and the marae, it's sort of kept on the on the hop quite a bit.
3: Ngā marae o
5: Peggy Peak
0: with Philomena Hawkins at Murihiku Marae in Vicargo. Sometimes it's referred to as waihopai, though really that's the name for the area. And by the ministry, Peggy means the Anglican ministry. She's also a priest in the Anglican Church. Hey, Kita. No wonder she's so busy. <laughs> Kia ora Nor Peggy Peak, and Philomena Hawkins.
1: Ane da Rosemary
0: Rangitawira,
1: mite whakamarma ate whakatauki.
0: I iti no anataku. Nati aruha. Although my gift might be small, my love goes with it. You know, to me, this whakatauki means, like in everyday life, you give things away, whether it's through words or presents to someone who you love. You have good intentions, so what you give, it's given with love. Now, if you didn't know, there's kapahaka fever happening around the motu, especially yesterday is the Matātua Regional Kapahaka Competition wrapped up in tōrere yesterday. Kia mau ke te wehi. And on the 6th of March, it's the Te Arawa Regional Kapahaka
1: Competition in Rotorua. The winners of these competitions will seal their place at
0: Matatini next year in Gisborne. But that's next year. Next week, we're back with Morikau Nui Station. And I talk b and sauce and crayfish with
1: Māori chef Pete Petty, host of Māori Television's Kai Time on the Road. E te iwi ko tai anō ki te kapina a te ahi kā. Ki tā māua kai kōrero, he mihi ki Anō nei te mihi maioha ki te kaiwhakahaere mihi ni.
2: Hoki mai hei te rātū rātapu.
0: Mauri ora tato katoa. katoa.